This is Healing Through Love. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Healing Through Love. My name is Olivia Luna, and I'm just a 33-year-old single woman who has never been in love before. And this podcast is my journey to find a healthy, healing, long-term monogamous relationship. Along the way, I'm going to get to talk to some friends, loved ones, and some maybe even some exes from the past, um, and also some experts in the fields of dating, relationships, healing, and so much more. Today, I have with me my lovely friend, Jada Delgado. Jada is an Afro-Latina dancer and actor in New York City, and I'm very excited for you guys to hear this conversation today. She really goes in. She's really just like honest, bubbly, amazing, transparent, and we love that here. Um, So very excited for you guys to um, enjoy this talk today. Before we get into that, though, just a friendly reminder, if you are loving this podcast, please, please leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to follow the podcast and get notified so you do not miss out on an episode. I'm only dropping one per week. Um, And also you can follow on social media at Solidarity underscore media or myself at Olivia Luna underscore underscore. Um, And for all of my guests that come onto the podcast, head on over to the show notes. You can figure out where to follow them, um, and keep up with their journey as well, too. Also, at the bottom of each episode, we have polls and questions that you can submit your answers to and continue the conversation with us at SolidarityMediaProductions.com. So with that, let's get into today's talk with Jada. All right, everybody. I have with me today the magical, amazing, beautiful, stunning Jada Delgado. Jada, how are you today? I'm doing so good. That was such a sweet like introduction. I'm like, oh, so flattered and so uh, what do you call it? Fleshed in the cheeks. <laughs> I mean, it's it's we need that, right? We need a little bit of red to like bump Dude, us I, up a bit, and make us I look alive. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me. I was really, um, so for those who don't know, Jada and I worked together on a new live shopping app called Soon. Be sure to check it out. Um, But also I love about, what I love about you, Jada, is like you bring this level of like one authenticity and like humor and amazingness to like everything that you produce with us, but also like (laughs) how you interweave the dating, relationship, love, trials, and tribulations. I was like, she's the perfect guest to have on this podcast. Oh my gosh. I know I sit there and I'm like, I just can't afford to go to therapy right now. So if I could talk to a bunch of people that are getting paid to listen to me, absolutely. What's the fucking difference? So (laughs) it's just, yeah, it's just like I I cheated the system of oversharing. That's basically it. That's how you do it. This, This is literally what this podcast is to me. It's like, it's therapy for me. I'm just like, just word vomiting out every every issue that I'm having so I feel yeah no I love it I mean that's what like not to get all frou-frou but that's what like art is at the end of the day you know so absolutely absolutely cool well I always love to start from the beginning um can you tell me a little bit about you know how you were taught to love growing up and how your caregivers showed you love yeah so uh from a young age I didn't really understand it because it wasn't uh, you know, the way that it was shown on TVs, movie, movies, I, I, not to say that I barely heard it from my parents, but my parents tried to provide me with as many things as possible because they lacked so much from their childhood. 
Um, but because of that, there was some like emotional, uh, I don't want to, emotional neglect is not the word, but it's, it's more of like, they didn't really know how to, uh, feed me emotionally. So they put me in all these things like dance classes and, you know, wanted me to have the best things and, and not be excluded. And, and they would go without, or even go negative in the bank account to get me the newest thing. So I would be like everybody else at school, you know, and that's kind of the way of not showing uh, only affection, but it's just like trying to set me up for the best life that I could have. Um, And in adulthood, it just made me super confused (laughs) for a lack of better term. Yeah, no, I I totally I can relate with that. Like, I think I've talked about this on other episodes, too. But like sacrifice was like a big theme in our family like I'm I'm black and Mexican and I don't know what it is about like Mexicanos and Tejanos where we just like we work and like we feel like we got to like give so much back and even if it's at the like detriment of our own needs or our own boundaries or whatever and so yeah like understanding that as an adult I felt like me showing love was just like literally breaking my back for somebody else and that's not that's ultimately not what love is so yeah. I totally I think something that happens with me where it's like, um, like such a huge, uh, I guess, gap between the people that I choose to date. A lot of the guys that I've chosen to date in the past have all have not been people of color. They've all been white and, uh, their understanding of love is very different just because of like, uh, you're speaking from a sense of like a POC perspective where it's like Mm -hmm. that is ingrained in our parents because of generations of survival mechanisms and they don't have space or time to show certain type of love at home. But what I've, you know, worked for on the outside, can I bring that back home, like to my family and, and, you know, have that American dream where there are my ex-boyfriends who were all white, didn't really have that semblance or understanding of like, the way that I would show up to to that person, they'd be like, well, you're being overbearing or you're giving the things that I don't need. Or it's like, you're not my mother. And it's like all these things where it's just like, I don't know how to even like uh, be in an emotional space with you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's deep. No, that's, that's really deep. And do you think um, what, so was there ever, did your parents ever talk to you about like the type of guy you should be looking for or should be like dating? It was more so everything that I shouldn't be doing. Um, So I have like two older siblings that were previously, one was previously married and then divorced. And another one had children with a man that uh, didn't end up being the best and was very abusive. And um, they all had we're at least like 10 years apart, 20 years. Like my eldest sister is in her uh, almost fifties and I am 24. So there's a huge gap there. Um, But my parents are always like, you do not want to be with that type of guy, or you don't want to be in a relationship like your sister versus being like, you want somebody who's this, that, that, and the other. It was more so pointing out because my sisters have lived these like uh, extreme ups and downs of lives before me that my parents use them as examples not to be like, or, uh, <laughs> mostly because my sisters are so much older. I was raised as an only child. My parents would kind of look at me whenever we had one-on-one time complain about the other person. So it's just more so like, don't be, don't have someone on like your, your mother or father, they do X, Y, Z versus like looking for the things that I actually need in a partner. Um, so yeah, that was very confusing. 
if that makes mm. sense. No, and I'm I'm curious. So, like, did you find that to be like a benefit almost to have this like example, really, or to see somebody? Because like, one, that's a huge age gap. You're actually like, you know, yeah. getting to see somebody fully in adult mode, like learning this stuff out. But then also, like, I I'm I'm the oldest of my siblings, so I was kind of the example. And I I do wish that I had that sort of reference in my life, just to like. And you do seem you seem so you know wise for your age, and you you do ah. you do seem so independent. So I'm wondering if that was like a benefit or, or a result of like having your you know that that ex, um, example for you with your sisters. Well, it turned out to being like it ended up being an avoided thing because it's now I'm actively trying to avoid mistakes that are kind of inevitable and I'm a part of human life, you know. And um, I, I think in this stage of my life, I'm experiencing a lot of like I don't want to do the wrong thing to get regret and doubt in the future because that's so much of what my parents and sisters have now because of past experiences. I mean, my one of my sisters, she's completely well adjusted to her situations and she's like, yeah, it's what happened, but I have a beautiful daughter because of it while my other sister is still like facing the repercussions of a really emotional tumultuous relationship. It's put me in a place of like, I am terrified to even be intimate with anybody because I know the detriment of 20, 15, 30 years down the line. If you have a a child with this person, if you have a house with this person, all these things that can happen, it's like this, this fear of doing it wrong because I've seen the extreme shifts that it can make in your life. So as much as you're probably like, I wish I had somebody showing me how to do it. You can probably do the things with more, um, like, uh, I guess not to be like willy nilly, cause it's not, not the thing, but I guess more opportunity to be the first to fail versus being terrified to fail like your, your older sister and stuff like that, which, which is literally just inevitable, I guess. Yeah. No, yeah. that's, that's a great, great point. And I love that you said that like that, that avoidant mentality, you end up like, yeah, it, that's what dating is, is like, we have to like try people out and it's not always going to work. And I think that rejection or that that failure aspect, like really does deter people from even wanting to venture into the dating world, let alone like, try towards a working like a working healthy relationship. So um, I think that's a that's a great point. And I, I'm curious, like, so now let's let's fast forward a little bit. Like one, when you started dating, um, what was that experience like for you? Who were you early on, young Jada? Who were you in the in in relationships? Yeah. So my first boyfriend was I was 16, and I think that was honestly like not to say the best relationship I've ever had. It's because of like how much I didn't know about the relationship that made it so good and so fun and so carefree. And then once he cheated on me, he went to the army, he cheated on me. Once that happened, then I became super jaded. And then everything past that or currently has, have all been very long, complicated situationships. Like I had a four year situationship. And uh, because of that, again, there, I, the fear of, like never being with the right person to figure it out with. Again, I'm still young, but right now it just seems like very extreme fails. So I always come into work with like crazy ass story times. And I, I know you're, we're not going to use it for the platform, but I do it for the bit and I do it for you guys. And I know it's funny and I just need to let it out. So, um, yeah, I think it's just attracted very odd characters into my life. I don't know if they answer the question right there. <laughs> no, no, that's, I mean, I'm, first of all, I'm so sorry that that was like your first kind of foray into love. Like one uh, relationship is not working out is like already one tough thing, but when someone like cheats and like, that's your, you already have like all of these fears, 
you know, from seeing your sisters, like all of these things that you're trying not to do. And then here, it's almost like we, on our journey to try to avoid the thing that we're trying to do, we run right into it. So um, I, I think that that's like, what, um, what do you think you learned from that relationship that maybe, or I guess I'm wondering if like, was that sort of the impetus into going into like these situationships? Do you think like as a result of that fear now manifesting and, and happening, you know, now this, this pattern of making more non-committal situationships started to like unfold for you? Yeah, I think, uh, at that time, my parents were, well, my parents were starting to go through their divorce when I was probably like eight years old (laughs) and they didn't recently, they didn't get divorced until last like three years ago. Um, but throughout that time, I understood very negative and tumultuous relationships as normal. Um, and when my ex, when I was 16 had cheated on me, I had very low self-esteem and I didn't really understand myself. I still don't. Um, but this idea of people cheating on me, it just seems like, uh, the natural occurrence for men. And um, unfortunately, I guess, I, I think this is also a, a POC thing and and maybe a Latin woman thing. It's just like, you're always trying to figure out, or my, not to say my mother, but in the culture, you're always trying to figure out the most, the most extreme ways to show up the most beautiful. I also strained my hair a lot at the time. I wasn't into my curls yet. Um, I was getting into my body being in shape. And then what that means as a Latin woman is like, am I showing those figures? Am I showing my figure off? If I don't, then I'm not feminine enough. So it's like all these things are happening at the same time that were all this, the answer to me as to why he cheated on me versus him. It's a him problem and not a me thing. Mm-hmm. So um, all that happening at a developmental age at like 16 years old, where a, a girl can feel her most insecure is that turn into a pattern for until now where it's just like uh this somebody else cheating on me is a is an explanation of a personal like lack of self-worth because of all these different reasons except for it's the other person's problem like it truly is every time <laughs> yeah the internalized yeah. blame is definitely something that i think a, a lot of women struggle with but like i i personally also struggle with is just like not like i'm such a fixer in my relationships and so when it doesn't work out or i feel like it's it's starting to like go left or something i do i i examine all the things like what is it that i'm not doing what is it how is it that um i can change how i look like you said like my hair like whatever it is to like make myself the best girlfriend or the best option for this person and and you're right at the end of the day it's not always about us like i think this is the importance of why I started this podcast, doing that healing work, coming to love myself because, you know, I was so dependent on trying to fix these things that were not my problem to fix, you know, but we just internalize that blame so much. So I definitely resonate with that. Yeah. I think that like a fixer thing isn't a bad thing to have though. It's just, it's just geared towards the things that are like uh, not to be super feminist to say this, but like female, like worries and problems. Like, if the fixer mentality was shifted and both people in the relationship were trying to fix it, then the cheating probably would have been avoided or maybe 
cheating but then like okay let's discuss like how to go through our relationship further but if it's from only your perspective as a woman then it's inherently means that there's something wrong with you and there's not you know and I feel like most men just don't have that hardwired into their system to fix things and like try to work things out it's like this instant gratification there's another person out there that's not gonna have that problem like on instant reaction especially with social media and then they get into a relationship with the next person and then it doesn't work out because they don't know how to be a fixer in a relationship themselves as well I mean I may be projecting this because this is mostly like most of my exes is problems um but I'm also super avoidant and the house could be on fire and I'd be like well no this is all all right this is fine (laughs) so I wish I could fucking be a little bit of a fixer Mm, but that's bars though Jada that was a line right there like talking about yeah like if we can just shift our superpower to or like what we think is our crutch could be our superpower if we just put it towards something that's constructive healthy mm-hmm. healing you know whether it's in the relationship um or even just like you know i i get so caught up in you know worrying about how can i fix this relationship and meanwhile all of the things in my personal life are just like to sh- like falling apart my apartment's a mess and my you know rent is past due and all these things and it's like olivia you, if you just shift that perspective to put it back onto what you can fix right yourself your life where you're at i think as a result then you know all the other stuff kind of just falls into place so that's a great excellent excellent point Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's funny that you say that because when I was I was in the shower and I was like oh my gosh like what are my what are the things I'm going to talk about like what have I been feeling recently and, and right now it's just been this weird um I don't know if it's like God universe whatever you believe in putting me in a space where nobody seems to be available for me right now and also in this uh like literal physical manifestation of isolation. I just moved in by myself in early December. And it just so happens that like, I just can't get a fucking date for the life of me. Like a guy will not make a plan or like somebody's foot fucking fell off. I don't know. Something crazy happens where these dates are just not happening. And, um, or like I go through a crazy situation where this person has literally distanced themselves from me. Um, But I think that, like you're saying all these things falling into place. It's like all these things in the past have not been working because of like this that's happening internally within me. And now that I've been forced to sit by myself, I'm just like going stir crazy because all of the problems are coming up to the surface, you know, and not avoiding it with another situation outside of myself, you know? Absolutely. Wow. Lame. Can, uh, what'd you say? <laughs> so, you lame universe. I hate that for us, but I have to heal because <laughs> Yeah, it's telling you something. You got to got to got to stay open and receptive to it cuz like the second yeah. we then, you know, do that work, like boom, it happens. But let's talk a little bit about like what so dating now, nowadays, New York <laughs> dating. Uh are you on the apps? Are you meeting I- folks in person? I have been on every single app except Bumble and I will um, toot my own horn. The nicest way to say it, I've been using Raya like crazy uh, just because I feel like uh, this is going to sound so fucking like stupid and like, uh, but it's the people on there are in like similar industries I am in, Um, but I have terrible taste in men. I have terrible taste. Um, you know, you know, I why, do, why do you say that? Like what def- if you could define a little bit of your taste right now, or your type, what would that be? 
You know what it is? And I'm not going to shit on my dad. And I don't have daddy issues, like a little bit, but not that much. My dad is very much an outgoing Machiavellian type of person. And he takes up a lot of space. Um, and men in my age range, men like that do that because of a lack of something inside. And it's not saying my dad's lacking, but a lot of the guys that I date that are super outgoing, social, you know, like peacocks in a way, I find that attractive because I'm super like outgoing and like, I like to take up space and I, and I like somebody else that I can also watch take up space. But at this age, at this stage, it's because of a, it's not because of a self-acceptance. It's to be accepted and validated from like externals. So the guys that I always end up being with are douchebags or cheat, like serial cheaters, um, like commitment phobes, all of, all of the above. So yeah, I ignore that. And I'm like, oh, but this guy's different. It's going to work. And then it doesn't work. So yeah. Yep uh jada i think we we're into the same type for sure like or at least like maybe i will i will say like in the past year i have slowly been attracting more of the kind of gentler i guess types or soft-spoken men which has been great but yes i love there's something about like that that confidence and that like um, I think also because I, I was, um, I, I was a theater kid. And so, uh, yeah. I, yes, I ended up dating a lot of fellow actors who just like, you know, have this great and powerful presence on stage and something about that. They're them like, um, being, you know, so magnificent at their craft and their art. That was also so, like such a turn on. Oh. That is yeah. so, oh my gosh, it's crazy because that is like my number one thing, of course, other than having like a stereotypical like physical type. If you're good at, if you are really good at something, you can be the most douchiest douchebag in the world. And I most likely will give you all of my time attention because that is something, a quality that I want in myself, you know? Um, and all these guys, like you're saying, these guys that are, are huge on stage, big presences. It's like, who is somebody who can be even bigger than me and not to say that I'm like a big like what whatever but I don't know it's just also something so attractive I maybe it's like a theater girl thing or a performer thing yeah I think so uh and yes I you know but it kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier about right like turning that crutch into a superpower because I don't think there's anything like I think that I would definitely want to be with somebody long term who is really passionate about what they do and really, really good at what they do too. I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but yes, if we could, if, if there's a way that we can shift it to someone who's maybe more self-aware of like the space that they take up and like can um, come from a place of like empathy, compassion, understanding, and recognize when they need to maybe dial it back, listen. I don't know. Yeah. I the, the challenge with that, and this may be like a completely different type of topic and conversation, but what happens, I feel like dating artists, there's like a couple different phases that they're in. I notice there are some that are like super duper, like an ex of mine was super duper frustrated in his lack of opportunity of being like in the craft, being an actor, doing that whole stuff. So it ended up uh, mostly being his personal life, so feeling super inferior, not validated in his craft and his art. And then there's another person uh, maybe like in a phase of um, just like trying to get really good at it and actually all about the art in the best way possible, very healthy. But 
they're not at that phase in their life yet to be in a relationship where they've found that success, you know? And then there's a successful artist that like truly are trying to find that balance. And it's just like not quite there yet, you know? And I think that's just kind of like an artist's curse of it. I can't, I could never fucking date a carpenter. Like, what am I going to talk? I can't talk <laughs> about like screws and shit. I'm not going to know. And that's not to say that's all they talk about, but there's just this, this extreme sense of purpose and meaning that comes with artists, you know, and I'm super emotional and like super fucking dramatic. And if I want to be with somebody else who sees the world in the same way and I not feel crazy for having these big feelings, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, and it's like also a compatibility thing too, right? Like it makes sense that you would be attracted or interested in somebody who's interested in the same things that you are. You know, I, I definitely think that that's a great point. And yes, the the roller coaster of like being in an artistic industry is like already an emotional like trauma of its own. But then you try to like incorporate a relationship into that and if you both are in that state, you then have to become each other's support in a lot of ways. And how does somebody handle themselves when the times are, when it's the dry season, like you're not booking anything, right? Like that's, that can also impact a relationship too. Um, can we talk a little bit about your, so you're in, in, in the acting industry. You also do some modeling. How has your industry impacted your view on relationships and dating? That's so interesting. I think it's completely the only way that I look at the relationships from like a super duper internal standpoint, because when I, I started dancing when I was four years old and I was really good at it from a young age. And again, not to do my own alone. They're going to think I'm so conceited, but um, it's like, I never really was told no as a child or that I wasn't really good enough, but I was consistently getting validation and actual claps from an audience, which made me feel loved and worthy. Um, so that manifested itself uh, by continuously trying to pursue this bigger idea of myself and jobs and bookings uh, to prove uh, externally that I'm I'm worthy. Um, and, you know, that comes with accolades and, and it's also attractive to partners. They are attracted to me because of my work ethic. Um, and my parents also always validated me whenever I performed very well. So it come, it turns out to the, the super extreme, like high performing type of person that being at a neutral level made me feel like I wasn't good enough. So on a dating perspective, like I, I even know, like I have this thing where I know that a guy is going to really like me the first date. The next couple of dates, that performer will kind of dwindle out a little bit and my actual personality will shine through. And it's like I'm all of these things that are super opposite from the performer that they saw on the date, you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it's it's a constant thing where it's like I a have to re like wire my brain to do the art, not for the external validation, like doing that from like four years old and then this is a, a, a performer's problem for sure especially when they do it really young and that's why some child actors end up going fucking nuts it's because your brain is literally getting validation from like other people at a very young age and it's like this lack of of self-worth that like kind of sweeps throughout their entire life and um so yeah now i'm in a place where um your original question was like about relationships. I'm like talking about my child trauma, but um, no, it's all intertwined in some okay, way or another. Yeah. I was like, here she goes going off track, but uh, that yeah. Manifests itself into relationships because then I'm like, Oh, this is the next thing to be validated by. And then I'll completely pour into a person and not back into my art. So yeah, just trying to re um, establish the relationship that I have with being a, uh, liked by people um i'm i have a thing of reading like 17 books at the same time uh reading the creative act is also really great the artist way i've been doing if you're an artist um what else have i been reading a new earth 
and um i just have been reading uh the courage to be disliked and those are all about finding like self-worth outside of being uh good at something um so yeah <laughs> yeah that that need for validation yeah i definitely think it's the artist's curse um and what i well what i loved about like my theater program is actually i had a professor who kind of um specialized in what she what she did was like like the art of transition right like so instead of you know going from a to b and like celebrating you're at b yeah you did it like immediately transitioning to the next thing and like you just getting comfortable in this state of you know uh not so much hopping from thing to thing but just like a, that state of expansion and growing and evolving and changing i think transition and um, allowing ourselves to grow is just like something that a lot of people struggle with. And like being in that state of growing is like really hard physically, emotionally, and mentally. Um, but it also then requires you to like not just settle for like any kind, any level of like accomplishment or validation. You have to just like keep growing and keep pushing. Like what else? What's the next thing? Um, and like, while at the same time, like there's both good and bad in that, like it keeps you moving through, you know, whatever occurs in life. Um, but it also then keeps you hungry, right? Like keeps you <laughs> searching for that next thing. So, so yeah. I definitely, um, I can relate to that, like for sure. And I think I'm wondering like what, um, as you're like in your industry right now, what are some things that you really want to like challenge either within your own art, um, within work or jobs that you like take going forward to really kind of like shift how you are relating to other people. So that way it doesn't feel so, you know, perf like per per performing is one thing in your work and your life, but like what sort of things can we do to change the industry so people can be their authentic selves regardless, you know? I think that's never going to happen with just like my type of person because uh, a like this, especially the acting industry, not so much with dance, but the acting industry is just more so like your first impression of how you look is already establishing how somebody's perceiving you. So I'm already in a place where it's like not to uh, obviously I'm going to be judged by the way that I look regardless. Um, and then throughout the pandemic, uh, this also actually ties into my relationships. Um, I had dated somebody who was heavily into the modeling industry and I'm like, oh, I can do that. And that's when I started modeling. And um, I put aside all these things that I worked really hard for, like dance and acting from a very, very young age uh, for this type of validation that I didn't really get as a kid because I was an ugly duckling growing up and I never had my hair natural. And um, I felt really, really insecure about how I looked always. And I never felt pretty enough, especially for white boys in particular, because um, I was super bullied by them. And that's still something I'm working back, working through. But um, I started modeling and that type of easy validation in the sense of you can book a job without any merit really kind of fucked me up the last couple years because I was doing so well on paper and booking so many jobs based off of like a vibe or a look that I gave off that didn't really require me to work very hard. So I kind of put down these things that validated me in the long term for this instant gratification type of success. And it also made me more feel more valuable to the partners, the people that I would I would date because I would date people also who are models in the industry and it made me feel like their position added to my worth and my value, which is something I'm really trying to work through. Um, and I'm also trying to work through dating people that aren't maybe like the most physically attractive to me on first instances, but attractive for other reasons. Um, 
So that type of industry thing really shifted my perspective now where it's like, okay, what do I have to offer that has nothing to do with my physical appearance? Um, And it's like, holy shit, dude, your whole life, you had to work really hard to prove and be accepted and be loved by other people, not because of a physical thing, but because of talent and merit. Um, But now I have the autonomy and the time of choice. And I'm very lucky and privileged to have uh, a job that gives me time to fucking journal and think about myself all day some people have to work and don't have any time to do their creative endeavors so it's it's put me in a place where it's like holy shit I've spent uh let's say 21 to 23 which although doesn't or 20 to 19 to 23 uh doesn't seem like a long time but still very formative years of my life uh getting external validation from modeling all this stuff where it's now it's like I have the privilege and the time to fucking dilly dally and like learn how to act and fucking dance and it's like how dare I you know not do things with complete integrity um and yeah I think uh, modeling definitely skewed my view of accolades and being good at things um because I didn't really have to be you know in order to be liked you know um and there's this thing there's uh that's been recently coming up for me it's like I believe it's called the halo effect where people will see an attractive person and automatically think that they're a good person you know or trusting and that's happens to like why fucking Jeffrey Dahmer uh, not Jeffrey Dahmer what am I saying Ted Bundy got a, got away with this stuff for so long it's like there's no way this guy's so charming charismatic going back to this Machiavellian type of guy who's so fucked up you know not to say that the guys that I I date are anything like Ted Bundy but um all these these values that I've had especially the last couple years and growing up all being uh from these things that are just aren't fucking real you know and just not based on actual worth talent merit so yeah uh long-winded answer to say that right now I'm just really like again in this cocoon phase in this isolation phase of understanding like what am I giving to the world you know and it seems like a really big question and I can feel like a small fish in a big pond but uh projecting my energy more outwards and what it can give versus how I can be validated has kind of been like the shift in my mind. That's That's beautiful. (laughs) That's incredible. Congratulations. Like, I feel like I'm, you know, I'm like 10 years older than you and I'm just like exactly where you are. Like I'm still just like trying to figure it out as well. So I'm glad you're at that point early, earlier in life than me, but that's great. No, awesome. Um, what, so can we talk a little bit about, um, if you want to, uh, (laughs) the dating white men and what sort of like, is that a preference? Also, what sort of like, (laughs) what sort of things have you learned from that? Yes. I, and I hate to hear the word trauma, trauma, trauma on. It gets me really annoyed. People like, it's my trauma, but I'm traumatized. No, um, trauma literally makes you forget things. Um, but I think, when I was younger, uh, seeing, and this is why it's, this is also really important for me in my industry for the idea of giving back, seeing on TV, all of the love interests being a white man with a white girl and always the beautiful white guy, Austin Butler, when he was like a little kid on like, uh, I think it's Ned's Declassified or Zoe 101, one of, one of those, <laughs> one of those shows where it's like all the protagonists, they were all white, you know? And then I was in a predominantly mixed uh, community, Kissimmee, it's super Puerto Rican Spanish. I was like, these aren't the guys that I'm seeing on TV. These aren't the, where's my normal high school experience? And then I've always was attracted to the superstars like Justin Bieber, the Jonas Brothers were all super white. So it's like, 
not to put any blame on myself, but a lot of it was conditioning my brain to believe that white was more beautiful than brown and more successful and more normal and more American and more desirable. And that turned into me being super, I was, I protested my culture so much as a child, I never learned Spanish. Everybody in my family knows Spanish, but me. Um, and that kept going, kept going, kept going. I, I went to a normal high school for one year because I went to performing arts school all throughout my childhood. But I went to a normal high school for one year and they bullied the fuck out of me. And it's because, again, the fetish, fetishization of me being a mixed girl with uh, premature boobs and a butt. And those white boys would ask me for naked photos of myself on Snapchat, on Kick, and all these things, Instagram, but never really valid, valued me as a person or understood my culture. They would call me racial slurs right to my face. But I still had a crush on these guys because they were the white protagonist heroes that I saw on TV. Um, and then I still haven't shaken that type of uh, attraction towards those guys who are hyper like attractive, like so wildly attractive. Again, models like the pinnacle of beauty. Um, so now I'm just trying to shift is like, okay, date somebody um, not only from a same cultural background as you, because they'll just understand like it, there's just a blood understanding, unfortunate, not unfortunately, fortunately to bond, but um and yeah, it's just kind of, I'm trying to just work this shit out. And I think I would get really offended from people and like, oh, you're just into white boys. I'm like, no, no. And it's just like, okay, be so fucking for real. Like it's truly because you're, uh, feel like you need to be validated externally with the person who's standing next to you. And you feel like internally that white is more validated and better than what you are. And that's really fucked up, you know? Mm. So that's why. <laughs> no, I appreciate your honesty. And like, I don't I, that's it's funny because like I I've dated all kinds of different guys. I think growing up, uh, I was a military brat. So we moved around a lot. I was just kind of exposed to a lot of different, you know, communities. Um, but when I whenever I was like dating someone who wasn't black or wasn't like from my background, there was always this like, I don't know, societal questioning as to like, why am I doing that? Like, why are you not dating a black man? Why are you with this white boy? And especially young, like when I was younger and like, you know, you similar, I had these crushes on or, Orlando Bloom or like, you know, all of these like famous um, white male celebrities. And you, at the time you think like there's something wrong with that. Like I, I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be into these guys. Cause I, I know that like, um, I don't know, I'm going against my own like people or all of these things. But then at the same time, like you're attracted to who you're attracted to. So then we never question like, why is it that like I'm, you know, finding that this certain I'm drawn to this certain type, um, but then also challenging ourselves. Right. Like, is is there other uh, other other folks that I could like reach out to and, you know, like learn to um find connection and attraction with. Uh, so I think that's great that like you're, you're being like honest with yourself and like really like challenging that too. Yeah. Well, um, also to the point that I said earlier, I'm like wondering why there's so much uh, like there's so much friction when it comes to the relationship that I have with these, these white men that I'm dating and like, why don't they understand the type of love that I'm trying to give them? And it's like, well, again, culturally, they're never going to fucking get it, you know? Um, and obviously some are, my sister is dating a uh, Italian um, Lebanese man. And he also, he really understands the culture because there uh, is kind of very similar adjacent to uh, Hispanic culture, but 
outside of that, it's like, I, I ask myself, I'm like, why is it, why aren't they getting it? And it's like, well, they aren't hardwired to get you, unfortunately. And, um, that's a suit. It's not to say all people like that are like that. It's not that at all, but, um, from like a base level of me needing to branch out, you know, that's also that being the reason why. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, I know I'm glad that like, yeah, that's, I, I don't know that I necessarily do enough of that. of like really, questioning um you know my like I don't think I have like a type necessarily like again I date a lot of different types of guys but the more I think about it yeah there there's probably uh some variety that I I could like delve into more for sure um well thank you again for being like honest with that and open um do you have any other like gifts or lessons that you've learned around love around dating and relationships you want to share hmm I think uh my dad always used to just tell me just enjoy the time being with the person you know I would just get into my head to get super anxious uh I I wasn't an anxious attachment style um in my last relationship but he gave me reasons to be anxious. Um, but trying to transition into the secure attachment style has really just been practicing, like taking it day by day and just trying to get to the next date or you're going on a date to see if there could potentially be a second date, you know? Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of the, there's so much that I have learned and so much I don't know. Um, and I'm very unsuccessful in the, in the dating scene. Um, but shit I don't know (laughs) I really really don't it's like it's I would be fucking the blind leading the blind like I I have no idea and I'm very open and messy about that um yeah the the, I I am cripplingly self-aware so that makes me hypercritical about myself about things that aren't a problem so um yeah, right now I'm just like, shit, you know, what have you haven't learned anything? What the heck? You know nothing about love. I told my friend Kyle that I was going to do uh, this little uh, chat that we're having about love. And he's like, what the fuck do you know about love and relationships? Like, you're the last person to know anything. But um, yeah, I think just getting to know somebody, I, I truly, I am such a mess with this, like the whole love shit. I, I'm truly here to embarrass myself and expose oh my Jada, don't be so hard. You're going to listen back to this and you're going to hear some of the gems that you have dropped throughout this conversation. Like your your dilemma is like me literally every single episode. Like what the fuck am I doing on this? Like my like, no one's so no real. one's listening to this. Like this is what do I know? I'm I'm, you know, like in my 30s, still single. Like what the fuck do I have to share about? But I I think like the beauty again going back to one your ability to be you know, really authentic and and you doing this work also to be more connected with yourself. Like that's how, that's how we kind of like dig out the, those, the mind, the gems, I guess, right? Like we, we dig out those experiences by just coming back to self and, you know, doing the work to just share our story, regardless of how unhinged it might sound at times. Like there's so many people who reach out to me after an episode and be like, oh, that was so great. Like I totally relate to it. And I'm like, what the hell did I say? <laughs> you know, the trauma dumped for the last hour. I don't remember. Like <laughs> it was. It's what? been great. It's been lovely. Um, my last question for you: the 
podcast is called Healing Through Love. So as you work towards secure, you know, relationships and a secure attachment, how do you feel like you are healing through love right now? Um, yeah, I think again, finding where I can give back in my art form, um, and not making it about me, uh, and, uh, really listening and understanding and being open to other people's, um, differences to myself. It's, it's really simple. I feel like, um, we overcomplicate. I think we're your last little topic had me just really, um, trying to, wrap around this idea of like I am just trying to get to my child back to my childhood self like when I was very very little and this uh strong sense of myself but with the nurturing and care that I would have for that child now um and yeah I think I think that's really it it's just like how am I gonna uh share in a way that's not for self-validation or self-serving but to help others and feel less lonely in the world and I think that's the way that I give love and I the way I've, I've always given love um and if I was a carpenter, like I said earlier, I wouldn't know my ass from my elbow. Um, so I think that I'm in a place to be an artist, to um, share stories about love and and all this stuff like that. So I think that's kind of just my life pur- purpose and this whole healing through love is is really about how can I share and give back and coming back to that childhood self and being authentic so other people can, you know, do the same and, and live life, live, laugh, love. <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> that's I'm so great i'm always fucking bad at goodbyes so like jada wrap it up and i'm like i just they want to talk longer <laughs> no we could keep going for hours and hours i love it um what, well really quick though what can you give us a hint as to maybe some things uh artistically that you're working on or things that we could look out for uh coming from you yeah, I just did a short film that's going to be coming out like only next week uh, oh, in the beginning wow. of March. I believe if you watch movies, I'll be uh, on AMC Coca-Cola pre-feature. So that's like what you watch before, you know, I did that job like last I love those. year. That was like, that was way long ago and they're finally coming out with them. And then a bunch of other commercial projects coming out. But uh, yeah, hopefully you'll be seeing me on TV more and uh, hopefully making my own stuff. So I love that. Follow me on Instagram at A-D-A-D-E-L-G-A-D-L. Go follow Jada. She is a content like just connoisseur. Just I love like. Oh, I'm naked online and people like, oh, yeah, this is good stuff. I'm like, this is soft porn. It's really not revolutionary. It's iconic. Okay, it's it's amazing. Not the only fans. That's not what I mean, but. Where I literally was trying to leave my Instagram and and rebrand, but maybe if you follow me, you'll see the rebrand because she's trying to be more um, authentic and Absolutely. not. Anyway, well, I love it. Go follow Jada at whatever phase she's in. She's a, a beautiful person inside and out. Um, but I I particularly love like your subway stories or like all these other adventures that you have throughout the day too. They're great too. Ties every day. That's that's trauma. That's Trump. Yeah. (laughs) New York subway. Um, Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jada. It's been wonderful talking to you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for asking me to do this. I really do feel very like flattered and appreciative that you thought of me. So thank you so much.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Healing Through Love. To learn more about today's guest or to follow them, head on down to the show notes for links. You can also submit your answers to any of the polls and questions that we have at the bottom of every episode. Be sure to follow the podcast, get notified, follow us on social media at Solidarity underscore media or myself at Olivia Luna underscore underscore. And be sure to look out for the next episode of Healing Through Love. Bye, y'all.